Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Well, hey, Lake Point family, um, very frankly, I'm like a little giddy to introduce our speaker for today. Um, as many of you know, man, on Mother's Day, we like to take a second to do something awesome to encourage and refresh the spirits of our women and moms at Lake Point. Now, a little backstory on the person that's going to be bringing the word to us today. As many of you know, at Lake Point, we have like a really deep passion to reach the Hispanic community with the love and power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And over the last few years, like we've seen our Lake Point in Espanol campuses grow to more than 2,000 people across three campuses in two different countries. There is a power of God that rests on the leadership of Lake Point and Espanol, all right? Now, to give context to today, last year at the Lake Point Women's Conference, we brought in all these outside speakers and everything, but there was one moment when everyone in the room went, whoa, heaven just touched this room, and there was an anointing on the moment, and it wasn't any of the outside speakers. It was one of Lake Point's very own from our Lake Point in Espanol ministry. And so Lake Point family, would you please put your hands together and give a hero's welcome to Lake Point in Espanol leader, incredible wife and mother, and oh, by the way, a person who is speaking in her second language today, Lake Point in Espanol's very own, Pamela Baltazar. Hello, Lightpoint family. Thank you. I am so happy to be with you today. And thank you, Pastor Josh, for the incredible privilege of, of letting me be here today in such a special occasion. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Thank you. And everybody joining us online, thank you for celebrating your day with us. And as Pastor Josh said a little bit, um, um, I was born and raised in Mexico. My husband and I moved here almost 11 years ago to serve in our Lake Point and Espanol campus. Uh, my, currently, my husband is the Rockwell Espanol campus pastor, and I get to serve in our central Espanol team. And I certainly need a little bit of grace today because I'm used to do this in Spanish, not so much in English. I mean, you should hear me in Spanish. I am awesome in Spanish. <laughs> But I'll do my best in English, I promise, okay? Uh, we've been married, my husband and I, for 14 years, and we have two beautiful boys, Samuel, who's about to turn eight years old in a couple of weeks, and Jacob, who is six. We are so cute. There's a picture right here. And we're in this season of life with two active, healthy boys and full-time ministry. It's so exhausting and so exciting. And as a proud mom that I am, can I show you some pictures of my babies? Can I do that? I mean, I'm going to do it anyway, but I just trying to be polite. So this is the first picture that I want to show you. This is the picture where our firstborn Samuel was born, I guess. Yeah, okay. So this is the moment when I officially became a mom. I think we all have pictures like this. This is a precious moment for me. There's another picture of our youngest, Jacob. And this is so funny because we were trying to get a cute picture together and he ended up spitting up his milk in the exact moment we took that picture. So it's a precious moment right there. And then this one is also of our son, Jacob. And this is when he uh, uh, learned to ride his bike without training wheels. And that for me is super important because until this day, I have to admit that I don't know how to ride a bike. It's so embarrassing. So I'm 
very proud that both of my boys know how to ride a bike. And as we're looking at pictures, I want to ask you, why do you think that we take pictures? Why do we take pictures of our kids, of our family, or even a beautiful scenery? Why do we take pictures? And I think it's because we want to remember that moment. We want to remember every detail of certain specific moment, maybe where our kid walked for the first time or where he lose, uh, lost his first tooth or when we, he went to college or when we went together for Christmas, whatever. We want to remember those moments, every detail, everything that we felt in our heart in that exact moment or what we learned or what we felt God taught us there. We want to remember and on that note, there's one last picture I want to show you today because this picture, it, it was actually the moment when this message was born years ago. And I want to give you a little bit of context. In my early days as a mom, there was something that I always did, and that was to rock my babies to sleep every single night for years. And honestly, I did that more for me than for them because I had two babies under two. There were hard days. I was so tired, so exhausted. Maybe that day I had lost my patience and yelled at my toddler or at my husband, poor, poor thing. And then, you know, or maybe I felt alone or I felt like a zombie because of all that lack of sleep. So every day, no matter how hard the day was, I took my baby in my arms after his bath, after putting on his pajamas. I would go into his room, turn off all the lights, turn on the music, turn on the fan to make little noise and I would sit in the rocking chair and start just rocking my baby to sleep back and forth, back and forth. And little by little, I would notice how he would stop fussing around or moving around and just start to relax right there in my arms and he would finally close his eyes and fall peacefully asleep. I mean, and even after he fell asleep, I would stay there just contemplating, just holding him, just looking at his, you know, chubby cheeks and chunky arms and legs and his little baby belly and his lips all smooshy, and I would just melt him. I know that sounds creepy, but we all have done that. And, you know, like, and pray for him and contemplating. And I don't know how to explain this, but even if it was a tough day, like, it was all redeemed in that moment. It was all made right, right there with my baby in my arms. It gave me energy for the next day. And I remember thinking every single night, I want to remember this moment. Please, God, don't let me forget this beautiful moment. And, of course, I couldn't take pictures because it was super hard to take a picture in such a moment. But I managed to take a couple of ones, and it was blurry and not Instagram quality. That's why I didn't post it. But, you know, it's just because I wanted to remember that moment. And I think we all do this. Maybe we see our kids, you know, asleep if you're, they're still at home. And we watch them like little angels, like they wouldn't kill a fly. And we just hold on to those moments, you know, when they are asleep because we know they're going to wake up, <laughs> right? And we're going to have to do it all over again in the morning. And we hold on to those moments, yeah, you know, when they're asleep. I know we want them to wake up, of course. But there's just a season in life when you just hold on to the moments when they're asleep. I'm right there right now. And, well, as I was praying for this day, God kept bringing me to my mind these moments, rocking my babies to sleep, because I always thought about this verse, specific verse that I had read before being a mom, but now it took another meaning that now that I was a mom. And we find this verse in Luke chapter 2, where it tells us the story when Mary and Joseph went to Jerusalem with Jesus for the Passover celebration. And when they were traveling back to Nazareth, they basically lost Jesus. So, I mean, you know, talk about 
you know, feeling like a bad parent. They lost the son of God. Like, how do you pray about that? Like, God, remember your only son that you sent to save humanity? We kind of lost him. You know, can you find, help us find him from out there? Like, finding Waldo kind of thing. Oh, there it is. You know, just how do you pray about that, right? So after three whole days of looking for him, they find him. And then find him in the temple. And Jesus was 12 years old back uh, in, in that moment. And we read, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And this is the verse that I kept thinking about when I was rocking my babies all those years. It says that his mother, Mary or Maria, kept uh, treasuring these things in her heart. In Spanish, it says, guardó estas cosas en su corazón. She kept these things in her heart. And this specific phrase or this specific little verse is only said twice in the whole Bible. And we just read the second time that we, you know, it was in, in the Bible. And when I became a mom, this verse took meaning to me because with our kids, there are moments that we want to keep in our hearts constantly, every day. Some of those moments may be small, some others may be big, some are hard, some are sweet. But from these moments that we treasure every day is what motherhood is made of. So when I was rocking my babies to sleep for years, I kept thinking of this phrase and I kept wondering, what did Mary keep in her heart? Like I think of, I can think of a thousand different things as a mom, but specifically in this story for Mary, what did she keep in her heart that we can keep in our hearts as well for our kids? And I think that the first thing that she learned was what was Jesus's purpose? And we can learn that today. What is our kids' purpose? What is their purpose? And I love it that when Mary and Joseph finally found Jesus after three days, the first thing that Mary says is, why did you do this to us? Like any mom would do after looking for her child for three days, like, oh, I'm so glad that you're okay, but what were you thinking? You know, like, or I don't know if that's maybe just Mexican moms, like, you know, why would don't go away, I don't know. I'm just, maybe it's just me, I'm sorry, I know, you know, you don't get to your kids, but, you know, but Jesus was like, where were you looking for me? Like, didn't you know that I have to be in my father's house? And this moment must have been a lesson for Mary and Joseph. I mean, Jesus' purpose on this earth was not to be their son. It was to be God's son on earth and to do the will of his father, to be our savior. And as like any other parent, I think Mary and Joseph could have forgotten about that for a moment. Just think about this. As Jesus was a baby, everything looked the same as any other baby. They had to feed him, change him, clothe him, hold him, you know, everything. And then, you know, as a toddler, as a kid, everything looked the same. But now Jesus was 12 years old. It got to a point that he was not a kid anymore, totally dependent on their parents or just following instructions because he didn't think of anything else. He was starting to act like an independent person with a mission of his own, receiving instructions from God and making decisions by himself. Does this sound familiar at all? When we have our kids, we do everything for them, and they're totally dependent on us. But as they grow older, they start developing their personality, their preferences. Suddenly, they don't like certain foods that they used to like, or they don't want to wear the clothes that we buy for them. And then maybe we have this idea that our kids were going to do certain things or like certain things, but it turns out they don't. They want to study certain things or go into certain school or whatever, and they start making choices of their own. 
And we can have many plans to, for our kids or dreams and expectations, but we have to remember that it's not about what we want for them, but it's about what God wants for them. It's not about them fulfilling our purpose for their lives, but them to, for them to fulfill God's purpose for their lives. And I know that most of us know this, but I think we forget sometimes. And we have to remember which is truly their purpose. And it is, it is the same as what Jesus' purpose was, and is, that is to do the will of his Father. That's our kid's purpose. I don't know, maybe it crossed Joseph's mind that one day Jesus was going to take on the family business, you know, the carpentry thing. Or maybe Mary dreamed about Jesus, you know, taking care of her when she grew older. Maybe they for a moment allowed themselves to have dreams or plans about their son Jesus. And I think we can do that sometimes. So this is something that we really need to treasure in our hearts, to keep and ponder this in our hearts. Our kids' purpose is to do God's will, not ours. Now, the second thing I think Mary treasured in that moment or learned in that moment, it was what was her part in all of it? What is our part in our kids' lives? And I think this experience gave Mary perspective, perspective of what Jesus' purpose was and what her part was on all of it. And of course, there was a very important part for Mary to play in Jesus' life. God had chosen her to be her early mother. He knew that he was going to need someone to take care of him and, you know, feed him and teach him how to eat by himself and wash his teeth and raise him, you know, like any other human kid. So, of course, there was a very important role for Mary to play. And we have also a very important part to play in our kids' life. And I can think of many important things that we should do, but I will mention only three key things. And one of them is to protect them. Of course, it is our role as parents to protect our kids. And when I talk to, uh, you know, I want to be very clear in this. When I talk about our part in all of this, I want to be very clear. I'm not only talking to parents who are raising kids right now. I'm talking to all of us. Because you may, think, you may be thinking, well, I don't have kids, or my kids are grown up, I'm done, this is not for me. If you are part of this church, or, or the church as a whole, this is for you. Because as a church, as the body of Christ, we have a responsibility to our kids, to our students, to the generations to come. We are responsible for them, and we need to do our part. And it all starts with prayer. That's the most powerful and needed weapon for our kids. We need to pray for them, and we all can do that, and we all should do that. And I think this protective instinct may come naturally to parents. I remember the first time that I felt this mama bear protective instinct. Uh, we were at this kid's, kid's birthday party, and our oldest, Samuel, he was less than two years old. He was barely starting to walk. And then it was time to sing happy birthday, and all the kids, you know, went around the cake table to try to pretend that they wanted to sing happy birthday, but we actually just wanted to get cake as fast as possible. So, and I remember I, see, I saw my baby, you know, like walking like... <laughs> You know how they walk at that age, and was like, oh, my baby's so cute, get into the cake table. And out of nowhere, this gigantic eight-year-old girl just came. She wasn't gigantic. She just looked gigantic next to my baby. But this girl just stopped him, putting her hand in his chest, and said, don't get so close to the cake. <sighs> I mean... My blood just boiled up like, you know, like, I, I, just let me say this. I, 
I'm a boy's mom, but I'm a girl myself, so I'm allowed to say this. Us girls, we're kind of bossy, you know? Like, we like to boss people around and tell them what to do and when to do it and how to do it. I mean, it's the truth. And when they're little girls, we call it sassiness, but it's just bossiness. So when this girl was like, then get so close to the cake, I was like, don't tell my kid what to do, you know? Like, <laughs> I just wanted to punch that girl. You know, but that would have been illegal. I Google it. So I just controlled myself, took a deep breath, and I just held my baby. And I was like, it's all right. I'm right here. And I'm his mother, you know? And I fake smile like, <laughs> you know, like we smiled super fake. And my husband was like, what is wrong with you, Pamela? Like, these people go to our church, like, I'm their campus pastor, like, you control them. And I was like, I forgot that I was even a Christian. I'm not thinking about you being the pastor. Like, I don't care. So I think we definitely have a protective instinct. And, and as parents, we want to protect our kids. And seriously, if, when we see the dangers they face every day, when we see, we see the news that we received last week, I think we want to put our kids inside a bubble that is bulletproof and COVID-proof and pervert-proof and sassy eight-year-old girls-proof. But those bubbles don't exist. I googled that too, and they don't. So it's impossible. And yes, our job is to protect them as much as we can, but the truth is that we cannot protect them from everything. That's why we pray. But that's also why the Bible says that like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. And I don't know if we're understanding what this means. Yes, we're supposed to protect them, but, for the, but the ultimate goal of protecting our kids is not for them to stay safe at home forever, but is to protect them while we prepare them to be sent out as arrows into the world. At some point, they have to go out into the world. It's part of their purpose. And yes, they may be exposed to dangers and evil. That's why we need to send them as arrows in the hands of an experienced warrior pointed in the right direction to make a difference in the battle. That's why we need to protect them. That's why we need to protect them so we can be able to equip them. Church family, I cannot stress enough the attack our kids are under constantly. The statistics of how many kids that are raised in church leave their faith are terrifying. It even has a name, the youth exodus, because of how many kids are fleeing the church. And I don't say this to scare you, well, maybe a little, but because we should be scared. We, we should be filled with holy discontent about this situation and, and about the battle that our kids face every day. We are literally at war for their lives, for their eternity. And let me tell you, we are one generation away to lose it all. We are one generation away to lose it all. Think about this. That's how church works. We pass on our faith from generation to generation. If we right now fail to pass on our faith to the next generation, it's over. The church is over. And you can say, no, Pamela, no, wait a minute. God said, Jesus himself said that he will build his church like it's up to him, not up to us. Or you can say, no, God has given us a victory. Like it's impossible that we lose. Yes, let me tell you. Yes, God has given us a victory, but we have to show up for the battle. Or we lose by default. 
How can we receive the victory if we're not even in the fight? So when we send our kids out there as arrows into the world, as they're supposed to be, we need to send them fully prepared for the war they're going to face. We need to teach them the truth, to plant it deep into their hearts, to teach them to identify among the lies and the half-truths of this world. We need to teach them discernment. Because we cannot say everything inside the church is good and everything outside the church is bad. That's not good enough. Because we can find lies, you know, in some churches too. We need to teach them to see and hear, to process it, to put it everything under the light of the word so they can take the truth and separate it from the lies. We need to teach them about the lies. What are those lies and why are they not true? We need to talk about them. And let me warn you, today is not enough to say it's a lie because God says so or because it's in the Bible somewhere. No. We need to uh, answer them, you know, go deep and answer them with the Bible, of course, but also with reason and logic because our faith is true. Every day there's more evidence of what, what, we, what we believe is true and why it is. But we need to be prepared to answer these questions and not fear when they are questioning their faith. Which leads me to our third and final point on our part. We need to be prepared ourselves in order to equip them. We need to show them. And by this, I mean we need to be an example for them, to model for them what it really means to be a follower of Christ. We cannot talk to them about the truth if we don't know it ourselves. We cannot teach them about what is a lie if we cannot even recognize them. We cannot tell them what they should do to be a real believer if we don't do it ourselves. Like I said, I have the privilege of serving here at Laypoint, and sometimes, you know, uh, some of us at the staff, we get together and plan events and plan strategies, just to give you an example. And some of us, many, many times, we have gotten together to talk about ideas or what we could do to motivate you to join a group. And we have tried many things, like, oh, let's give them a card right when they go in the auditorium so they can have it ready in their hands, and then we're going to take time during the service to fill it out together, and then we're going to put big red buckets in the doors of the auditorium so when they walk out the auditorium, they can just, like, eh, drop the card. They don't have to, like, lift up their arms. It's going to be, like, easy. Just drop it, like, there. But it doesn't work because the car was too long, they didn't find the bucket or whatever, so they didn't do it. So we thought at text, everybody can text, everybody has a phone, even grandmas can text. We love you, grandmas that can text. So we made it super simple, just one word, groups to 20411. Oh, but it turns out that when you send that word, you receive a link and you actually have to... <coughs> Click on that link and write your name and your phone number and your email. And actually, you have to choose what group you want to join. Too much work. We lost 75% of the people. But I've been in those meetings, and there's something that I have always wanted to say, but I didn't want to seem like the Debbie Downer in front of 12 people. So I'm going to say it here in front, in front of thousands of people, because why not? The thing that I have always wanted to say is that the real reason you don't join a group is not because it's hard. Or because we don't make it easy enough for you. I mean, I know it can be challenging or intimidating. I'm not being judgmental. But what I mean is, that's not the real reason. The real reason is because you don't want to join a group. Because when you want to do something, you do it. When you want to go to a Cowboys game, you go. And those people make it hard for you to go. You have to choose from a thousand different ticket options and find the gate and find the seat and drive 
three hours, you know, uh, to, to get there and then back. And, you know, it's so hard and expensive, but you do it because you want to go. And it's the same with anything, with that dress you want to buy, that taco place you want to try, that trip you want to make. When you want to do something, you do it. What I'm saying is we need to own our spiritual development. We have to assume our responsibility of growing in our faith. To read our Bible, to attend church, to have a community, to be connected, to serve for yourself, but also for our kids. Because it's part of our responsibility to show them how to be a true follower of Christ. How can we tell them, oh, you shouldn't get together with those kids. They're a very bad influence. You should get yourself, you know, friends that point you to Jesus. Do you have a community like that? Or how can we tell them, oh, no, 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 mijito, you need to read your Bible because it's about a relationship, not a religion. Do you have that kind of relationship? I know it's tough. It's a big responsibility, but they are watching us all the time. And everything we do weighs more than what we say. And I know it's huge. So I'm going to say something that is going to cheer you up. At least we have it easier than Mary and Joseph. Try to be a role model to Jesus. Like, good luck to that. At least our kids are not Jesus, so it's okay. We can be a role model, right? But finally, our third uh, lesson that I think Mary learned in those moments and the third and final lesson is what was God's promises? What are his promises for our kids? What we read earlier was the second time that the Bible says that Mary kept these things in her heart. The first one is earlier in that same chapter in Luke 2. And there it's talking about Jesus' birth and how, you know, when he was born in a manger. And then nearby there were some shepherds and some angels appeared to them and told them, uh, you know, the Messiah is born. We read that in Luke 2.10. It says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. So the shepherds go to look for this Messiah, and they found uh, Joseph and Mary with Jesus, newborn on a manger, and they tell them all about what the angel said, you know, that the Messiah and all that, and they start just worshiping Jesus right there in the manger. And that's the first time what it says, that Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her, in her heart. She had received the promises before that Jesus was going to be the Messiah, but I think this was the moment where she realized Oh, wow, my, yeah, he is the Messiah. Like some random people just show up and start worshiping him. He must be the Messiah. And she kept that moment in her heart. Beautiful. But if we fast forward 33 years later, I think about Mary at the feet of the cross, watching her son being crucified. And for all of us, it was Jesus the Messiah. He was our Savior. But she was the only human being that could say that it was humanly speaking, her son. And we don't know how much she actually knew or understood what was happening. We see nowhere in the Bible where an angel, you know, that they knew the prophecies and they knew Jesus was, had announced it, but they didn't comprehend. I mean, even the disciples had a hard time comprehending the crucifixion and resurrection. So we don't know how much she understood, but even if she understood it completely, just imagine Mary watching her son dying. It didn't make any sense. What was happening? Wasn't he the Messiah? Wasn't he expected to do great things for all humanity? Maybe she expected God to save him in the last minute with fire from heaven, but then he actually dies. And it made me think how many times as parents or as a church we can feel that way. 
We see things happening to our kids and we fear for them. We see the world they're growing in and we're like, oh my goodness, this is the world they're going to be living in. And we fear for them. Or we see them making bad choices and we worry. Or we see them literally walking away from the Lord and it hurts us because it doesn't make any sense. We don't understand. But I firmly believe that Mary must have had to go back to those things that she kept in her heart. Those things that she treasured and pondered on for so long. She had to hold on to those promises that God had made about her son, that he was the son of God and he was the Messiah, just like the angels had told the shepherds that day. She had to search in her heart what God had promised her and to all of us. And when, when I'm telling you to do the same today. When we fear for our kids, when it's hard, when we don't understand, when it doesn't make any sense, just go back to God's promises. And what are God's promises? That he will hear every prayer you make for your kids. That even if it doesn't look like it or that he's not answering the way you wished or in the time you wished, he's listening because it's a promise that we hear every prayer that we make. That if your kids are far from him, that he's the good shepherd that will leave the 99 to go to search for the one that is lost. And he's searching for your kid even more passionately than you are. And that he will be the good father that will receive him with open arms like he received the prodigal son when he decided to turn to his father's house. That if you don't know what to do or what to say or how to act in certain situations, he will help you and give you the wisdom that you need. That if you have made mistakes and you have been maybe a bad example for your kid, that he can redeem that. He can redeem any situation, any broken family, he can redeem that. That no one can be too far for God to reach. Even if our kids are far away from God, they're still within his reach. And the list goes on. But above all, we can be sure that all his promises are true and that, that he will do just as he said. Because just as he had promised Mary, Jesus was in fact the Messiah and all of his promises were fulfilled when Jesus rose from the dead and gave us all hope. So that's how we know that all his promises are true. And like I said, Mary was the only human being that we know of that was there in the time that Jesus was born and was there when Jesus was crucified as a human. But she saw him be born as her child, but dying as her Savior. And he's your Savior too. So if you haven't received him, you have the opportunity to do that today. So church, for our kids' sake, let's always treasure in our hearts what is their purpose what is our part and what are his promises? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for all that you have done for us. Thank you for your goodness, for your kindness to us, for your grace. Thank you for your promises and because we can be certain they are true, but because you have fulfilled every one of them in your son, Jesus Christ. Please let us remember what is our kids' purpose. Let us own up to do our part and let us rest in your promises because we know they are true. I pray for every person in this auditorium and everybody that is watching us to bless them, to give them peace, to give them courage, and to give them hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, 
Join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Lake Point.